You are listening to audio recorded at the Village Church. For more information, go to villagechurchbaltimore.com. So today uh, we're continuing on our Formed series. And for those of you who may be new and it's your first time to the Village, I just want to say welcome. We're super excited that you're here with us. And basically we've been uh, going through a series of the past couple of months about spiritual formation. So basically just practical ways to deepen our walk with God and to grow as followers of his son, Jesus Christ. And today I'm going to be talking about a spiritual discipline that gets often overlooked, especially by me. And I think God definitely taught me a lesson or two preparing this message, and I hope that uh, he'll speak to you today as well. Let's ask him together in prayer. Father God, you are good and your mercy does endure forever. God, we know, and we know that you're powerful, and we're just so thankful that you've given us this uh, moment today to just pause wherever we've been through a week, uh, even in the busyness of summer, to just pause and to sit here in fellowship with one another and to hear what you have to say through your word. God, we're so thankful for your word that we don't have to walk aimlessly through life, but that in you we have purpose, And God, we're so thankful that um, uh, you speak to us uh, through worship and through your word. God, I pray that um, even through my broken words today, I pray that you might be glorified and that we can learn something today to grow closer to you and to one another. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So uh, when I mentioned that today's sermon is going to be about waiting, what image did you conjure up in your head? For me, I don't know why, but I immediately thought of waiting in line. <laughs> so like, kind of like when you're waiting for that new ride in Disney World, or when you're waiting on 83 and stuck in traffic, or even when you're waiting on an online queue to buy that car that you've been waiting for for the past six months, we're all uh, very well acquainted with waiting. Uh, there's actually a statistic published in the New York Times that Americans annually spend 37 billion hours waiting in line. That's a lot of time. A lot of times when God is trying to teach me something through his word, he often brings a very natural example of a deeply spiritual principle and asks me a simple question, like, what are you waiting for? I know that some of you here are pursuing higher education, whether it's college or a master's program or a a professional degree or Uh, a doctoral degree. And personally, as someone who spent four years in undergrad and four years in medical school and in my third year of medical residency and has three more years of fellowship and currently pursuing a master's uh, program, I'm well acquainted with the phrase delayed gratification. (laughs) And it's not just about, you know, higher education. I'm sure a lot of us have had uh, had heard the term light at the end of the tunnel. Like, all I need to do is work hard now and I'll get that position and then life will be all good. Or all I need to do is find that special person and then life will be all good. Or all I need to do is to make it to summer vacation or watch that final season of that Netflix series we've all been following the past couple months. Then life will be all good. We are well acquainted with waiting. I think God is asking us today, what are we waiting for? 
I think he's asking us, who should we be waiting for? How should we be waiting? So today's passage is going to be from the book of James that was just read. And for those of you who are not familiar, this James was actually the half-brother of Jesus and one of the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, which was one of the first Christian communities uh, in church history. And it's thought that this letter was written while this church was undergoing great persecution and even natural disasters like famine. And one of the main purposes of this letter is to instruct those in the church by challenging the ways that we normally live life. That's where we find ourselves today in James chapter 5. Today I'm going to focus uh, mostly on what was read, verses 7 through 11, but I'm going to briefly uh, read the first part of chapter 5 just to give us context on the therefore. So this this is James chapter 5, starting from verse 1. Come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth has rotten and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasures in the last days. Verse 4, look, the pay that you withheld from the workers who mowed your fields cries out and the outcry of the harvesters has reached the ears of the Lord of armies. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and have indulged yourselves. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned, you have murdered the righteous who does not resist you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. Now, when I was preparing for this message, I thought I was going to focus on the virtue, patience. Definitely a Christian virtue, right? Or maybe at least spiritual. Something like, okay, when I'm you know, hour two, waiting in line for that new Star Wars ride in Disney World, you know, not to be frustrated, take a deep breath, be calm. Or like when I'm on 83 and I was supposed to be in the hospital five minutes ago and boom, bumper to bumper traffic, right? I'm not supposed to be angry. Okay, I'm a Christian. I'm going to practice the virtue patience, take a deep breath, be calm. And I think that, you know, God definitely wants me to be patient and Don't get me wrong, don't find me at our house after the sermon and be like, well, Tay says we don't have to be patient. Of course, we need to be patient. But again, brothers and sisters, it's not just about waiting. It's not just about how we wait for the things that we think are going to bring us happiness or joy or contentment. It's about who we are waiting for. To be honest, I didn't know I was going to be preaching a sermon on Jesus' coming until I came across this verse. James does not hold back any punches. What do you think when you think of the coming of the Lord? What images come to your mind? Honestly, we could do a whole sermon series on the Lord's coming, but I want to put one image in your mind today. Some of us, we're not just waiting for a new car. Some of us, are waiting for justice. Justice at gun violence, disease, economic and health disparities, racism, sex trafficking. The list goes on and on. We are mourning the loss of loved ones. What is going to fix all these things, all these problems in the world? Who is really there for us? Does anyone even care? Does God even care? And in the midst of the chaos and the pain and the hurt, we who have put our faith in Jesus 
Even through all the confusion of it all, remember his words to us in John 14. Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, or in the King James, there are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go away and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. He is the one that will bring justice. He is the one who will personally wipe away every tear from our eyes, Jesus. So now if we have our eyes corrected to wait for the person who's actually going to bring us ultimate joy and happiness and fulfillment, how do we do that? What does that mean practically? How do we be patient until the Lord's coming? So let's keep reading on in James chapter 5, verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth and is patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord's coming is near. So some of you may know, I have the opposite of a green thumb. I basically have a black thumb of death. <laughs> My wife is a way better planner and gardener than me. Actually, we grew our first cherry tomatoes in our front lawn this summer. <laughs> Anyways, because I know nothing about agriculture, I had to look this up. And some of you may uh, be there right in my boat. So uh, let's break down this image just a bit. So farmers during this time period and in this geological setting worked around a schedule they had very little control over. They knew that there was this early rain or the autumn rain that softened the earth for planting, and then the late rains, which are the spring rains, that matured the crops to harvest. But what he could control was to prepare the soil for those early and those late rains. Ultimately, brothers and sisters, God will supply us with his patience as we wait for the coming of our Lord. But how do we prepare the soil of our hearts? I think one of the keys come from this uh, phrase at the bottom of verse 8, strengthen your hearts. So when I read strengthen your hearts first when I was coming across it in this, uh, for this message, I kind of translated it in my head to kind of like visceral, emotional conjuring up of like internal fortitude and courage. Kind of like when you're at the top of a, where, of, of a roller coaster and you're kind of looking down and you're bracing yourself. I think that the Greek is a little bit more clear. It actually renders to more of a realignment, recenter. Brothers and sisters, if you get nothing out of this message, please get this. For the Christian, waiting is an active process. Just as the farmer prepares the soil for the early and the late rains, James challenges us to orient our lives in a way so that we can receive grace and comfort as we await the coming of our Lord. I think James brings us three practical ways on how to do this in our lives today in 2022. So first, we wait together in community. Verse 9 says, Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, the reality is, is that we need each other. There is no such thing as lone wolf Christians out there. We need each other. Also, the reality is, is that we spend more time with each other other than just once a week on Sunday. We're going to get on each other's nerves. 
in a lot of ways. But one of those ways is going to be when we think we have things in common with one another because we're Christian, and then we find out there's a lot of ways in which we don't really have the same viewpoints on everything. Whether it's a political stance or how we raise our kids, how we spend our money, or even theological things like, when is Jesus going to come back? How is he going to come back? I think the point is not that we can have different viewpoints, but then we, when we do engage in conversation and relationships and these kind of things come up, I think God wants to give you some advice. I think God wants to give me some advice. Something like, hey, Tay, uh, look, hello, hi, I'm the judge. Your responsibility is not to try and vindicate yourself or your stances. Your responsibility is to love them. Love your brother and your sister, because I died for them both, and for you, enemies of God and toward one another. But now we're family. Brothers and sisters, as we wait on the Lord, let us not wait alone. When relationships get tough, let us not run away from each other, but toward each other. Second, we we, uh, wait by remembering how God delivers on his promises through Scripture. Verse 10 says, brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See, we count as blessed those who have endured. There's no way around saying this, y'all, but we need to be in the scriptures. I think the reason why some of us get frustrated with God and with waiting is because we forget his proven track record. As we open the scriptures, the bedrock of God's fulfilled promises towards generations of those who have trusted in him, we remember that our God is a God we can trust. We wait for him because he makes good on those promises. But to be honest, reading the Bible is definitely a time commitment. A lot of times when I'm feeling really stressed, the last thing I want to do is open up my Bible. And a lot of the times the Bible is just confusing. This is another example of why we need each other. I truly believe that the scriptures cannot be fully elucidated by one single person, except Jesus. It's only when we come together around the scriptures that the spirit opens to us its wisdom. So let's get really practical. There are ways this summer you can do this. Shameless plug. Like we talked about every Wednesday, at 7 p.m. here in the church building, we uh, together go over the scriptures that was talked about in the previous Sunday uh, for the sermon. And it's a time to just ask questions and, you know, just talk together about what the scriptures are saying. And if some reason that doesn't fit in your schedule this summer and you're away a lot this summer, find a, buddy, uh, a Bible study partner or two or three. Make a commitment and just be accountable to one another. Something like, we're going to read through the rest of Ephesians by the end of the summer. Put it on your Google calendars and be intentional about it. We always need that reminder. I always need that reminder of God's promises fulfilled through his word. And lastly, we wait by dedicating ourselves to prayer. Verse 11 says, You have heard of Job's endurance and have seen the outcome that the Lord brought about. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Now, for those of you who might not know Job, uh, there's a book about him in the Old Testament, in the Bible, and he was a righteous man before God, blameless before the Lord. And the Satan, the accuser, as it's translated, comes to God's heavenly court and basically says that Job only followed God because of all the good things that he brought him. He had family and 
flocks and land, basically just a lot of riches. And if he, being God, took all those things away, Job would curse into his face. And so the Lord allowed Satan to destroy his family, his flock, and even his own health. But Job did not curse God to his face. Instead, he cried out to God in his pain and in his anguish and asked where he was. While his friends accused him of wrongdoing he did not commit and abandoned him, he cried out to God. At the end of the book, Job uh, talks with God. God reminds him of his sovereignty, rebukes his friends, and then doubled all of his possessions so that he blessed the last part of Job's life more than the first. Again, we can do a whole sermon series on Job, but what I was struck by when I reread this passage and I was prepping for the sermon was how, how that Job is in constant communication with God through his struggles. In his pain and in his anguish, he prays to God that famous prayer. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. Brothers and sisters, when we are in times of waiting, no matter how painful it gets, do we cry out to God? When we're in the struggle, waiting, trying so hard to be patient, do we rely on our own strength that ultimately fails, or do we rely on the strength that comes from God through prayer? Let's go a little bit deeper. While I'm waiting for God through the struggles of my life, do I remember to pray for my brother who is in the same struggle? Do I pray for my church? Do I pray for my coworkers? Do I pray for my city? Do I pray for my country? Do I pray for the world? Brothers and sisters, let us not just pray for ourselves, but let us intercede for one another and for our neighbor. And again, I may be sounding like a broken record at this point, but one of the best ways to pray is in community. And again, really practical. We don't just read the scriptures every week on Wednesday in the church building at 7 p.m. We uh, pray for each other. We take prayer requests and we just pray for one another. So come out and pray and receive prayer. Like things in the Bible, especially in James, things seem like a tall order. If I'm truly real with myself, no matter how hard I try and focus my attention on Jesus and him coming back, I get distracted and I lose focus. I believe the lie that that next job or degree will get me happiness. And even when I remember the hope that we have in Jesus and his coming to set all things new, I kind of get this holier-than-thou attitude, like I got it all figured out, like I don't need anyone else. And brothers and sisters, once we go down that route, once I start to go down that route, we start to think that we don't really need the scriptures at all. We don't even need God. We're broken. I'm broken. But then I'm reminded that there's a paradox in waiting. Jesus is near as we wait for him. In a few moments, we're going to take communion and I'll actually invite the worship team up now and they'll lead us in a few moments as we take the elements. I want to leave you with this passage in 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 21. It says, For you were called to this, because Christ who suffered for you, leaving you as an example, 
that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit any sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that, having died to sin, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So before we take communion, I'm going to invite you to reflect on these few questions. For those of us who know Jesus and trust in him, and for some who may not have made that step today, I invite you to ask yourself, what are you waiting for? Should I be waiting for all these things that my targeted ads on Instagram tell me I should be waiting for? Or do I need to put my faith and my trust in the one who ultimately fulfills us, Jesus? Brothers and sisters, how are we waiting? Are we waiting alone, complaining about one another? Or are we waiting together? Who are we waiting with? And after reflecting during communion, you can respond in a couple different ways. For those of you who put their hope and their trust in Jesus, no matter what you have done, no matter how many times this week you have failed at just being straight up patient, no matter all the times that we distract ourselves with all the things we think we need, no matter all the failures this week, Jesus is near to you. He wants you to remember that he was the perfect one, that he died the, the death that we could not die for us so that in our struggles, we can have communion with God and with one another. So after I close this in, in prayer, please come down each aisle and take a cup and a wafer and we'll have it together. And for those of you who may not have trusted in Jesus alone for salvation, I invite you to trust in him today. Let today be your first communion. And I'd love to talk and pray with you after the worship service. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we confess that waiting is hard in a world that is full of instant gratification where I have Instacart and Amazon Prime delivers things that day. I get so frustrated. We get so frustrated when we can't feel you, when we feel like you're not there. God, remind us through your word that it is good for those that wait on you that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, help us to remember that we don't need to feel alone, that our brothers and sisters, they struggle with the same problems that I struggle with. Help us to not run away from each other in shame, but help us to bring our hardship and our brokenness before you in community. God is... We prepare our hearts to take communion. Help us to remember the good news that you died for us, that you broke your body and your blood so that we might have life forever. God, we thank you that you are a good God and a God who is near to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.